Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of the Did You Know podcast. I am Jan Moeller. I'm the executive director of the Louisiana Budget Project. And by the time you listen to this, it will be the start of week four of the 2022 regular legislative session. Uh, today, we are going to be joined by Ashley Shelton, uh, and it would take the entire podcast to describe uh, everything she has done and what she has meant to the Louisiana Budget Project. But I will just say, um, to keep it short, that she is the executive director of the Power Coalition for Equity and Justice. Uh, she is a great personal friend. Uh, she has spent um, most of the past decade as a member of our board of directors. Uh, so she really has been a foundational person in the uh growth and development of our organization. But the reason I asked her to be on this week's podcast is because week three of the legislative session was interrupted by a veto override session uh, on redistricting maps. Uh, if you've been following the news, you know that uh, Governor John Bell Edwards decided to veto one of the redistricting maps that the legislature passed in February, the one for the congressional districts, uh, and the legislature this week overrode that veto. So the issue looks like it's heading to court. But Ashley, uh, you've been in the, absolutely in the middle of this issue from the beginning. You've done incredible work getting people to understand and uh, take and use their power when it comes to redistricting. But can you start by just explaining to our listeners why what redistricting is and why it is so important to everything else that we do here in Louisiana? Thanks, John. And I am uh, I am as much a fan of the budget project as <laughs> the budget project is a fan of me and so um and so really grateful to be here today and you know redistricting is is important because it determines who has voice who has voice and who can elect candidates of choice and um we went through census in 2020 and through that process you know census is supposed to record where people live in our state um, you know, who lives in our state, also by race, um, you know, age, looking at all of the demographic bre uh, breakdowns of those of those numbers. And so redistricting is supposed to apportion, right, like proportion um, the power of the vote across where census says people live. Um, you know, you're supposed to also look at, you know, some key factors. You're supposed to look at compactness. You're supposed to look at communities of interest. You're supposed to look at all of these different things to be able to establish what is a state house district, a state senate seat, a you know the the Supreme Court Bessie Public Service Commission. All of these were um, you know were on our plate this year for redistricting and bringing fairness and equity to that process. You know has uh, been quite the you know quite the challenge. And you know the the thing that's so important about redistricting is, is that you know we talk about cracking and packing where you either crack the voices of black and brown communities so that they don't, there's just enough voters for them not to actually be able to choose a candidate of choice or you pack them all into one district 
so that um, so that there's that one district that's majority minority, but then there it creates another district that is not majority minority, where actually there could have been the opportunity for that particular group of folks to be able to live in two <laughs> districts where they actually have true voice and power. And so, you know, and so for us, this moment really was our North Star. You know, Power Coalition is all about creating pathways to power for, um, you know, communities of color throughout our state. And so we knew that this this process would be critical. Well, and you certainly did a lot to help people understand this process and get active in the process. You know, I remember the last redistricting session was in 2011. I was still a newspaper reporter at the time, and I've never seen the Capitol quite as quiet as it was during that session. I remember there were just no lobbyists around, not a lot of people around. This was just legislators meeting amongst themselves to sort of divide things up. This time, it was very different. There were a lot more people who uh, spoke out and made their feelings known, not just at the legislature, but in meetings around the state. Tell us a little bit about what the Power Coalition did to make that happen, because I really attribute that so much to the work that you and your organization did uh, in, in the months and years leading up to this. Well, no, thank you. It was it was powerful. I mean, I think before we even got into redistricting, um, you know, six months before redistricting was even starting, we did a cat what we called crowd academies, where we worked with um, communities to provide training on what is redistricting, um, how to draw maps, what are all of the things that have to go into, um, you know, into drawing a map that would actually, you know, kind of pass or meet the Voting Rights Act, um, you know, and then we had the opportunity to go around the state with the roadshow. And one of the things that I'm really proud of, and, and the organizers out there will understand this, for every single stop at the roadshow, we had over 100 people and there were non-stops. There were about 100 people that both came to a training the night before, understood, worked on their testimony, um, made sure that they were making, you know, like the thoughtful, you know, the most thoughtful comments about what they were trying to reflect back to um, the panel, which was both members of House and, you know, House and Senate Governmental Affairs. And, um, and one of the things I'm really proud of is that almost to a person, everyone that showed up to the training then showed up the next day to make sure that their com comments were on the record. And so getting a clear record was really important to us that what is it that the people of Louisiana want? And so, you know, so I'm really proud to say that, you know, more than a thousand folks participated in that process and that were trained and engaged uh, by Power Coalition and, and all of our partners. Um, you know, and then I think the other thing that was really important was that also, too, for the opening of redistricting session, we did a mass mobilization and had more than 250 people show up at the Capitol. We did a day of training, a day of education, um, and then followed that with, you know, a day of testimony at the Capitol. And, you know, and I think that one of the things that I reflect on from that moment of having 250 people from across the state talking about the fact that they want fair and equitable maps, they want a fair process specifically, that they wanted a second congressional majority minority district. Um, and to then have to then have that not happen, um, you know, is really unfortunate, but they were clear, community was clear in their message, um, both before and during the roadshow and certainly throughout the legislative process. 
So that, that, that leads me to my next question. I mean, you did all this amazing work getting people uh, trained and educated, mobilized. They came to the Capitol. They made it clear that they really think uh, they understand that communities of color need a stronger voice in the state legislature and in our congressional delegation. The legislature hears all of this and they do the same thing that they did 10 years ago. Uh, they drew districts that underrepresent people of color, both in the legislature and in the Congress. Uh, Governor Edwards uh, heard you and vetoed the map for the congressional districts, but let the legislative districts uh, go into law without his signature. And now, of course, all of this is headed to federal court. Uh, tell us about the path ahead and uh, tell us what citizens can do at this point. Yes, so we, um, I mean, literally, once the vote was clear and they were going to, the legislature was going to overturn the governor's veto, we filed in federal court um, because them overturning the governor's veto meant that now the maps will, will go into to law and so now it's a federal matter and so um so we will be in the fifth district um uh, federal district and we will be you know our judges uh judge shelly dick and um and so we move forward and so that um you know so that was filed literally the same day that of the of the veto override and so we we have filed in court power coalition um along with several other organizations and individuals are plaintiffs in that lawsuit and um you know and we're and I think it's important for people to know we're not trying to impact 2022. There's there's not really anything we can do about the the midterms, um, you know, in, in terms of being able to have a, a map by then, but this is really about fighting for the next 10 years, right? And so, um, you know, we saw the Alabama case run into a Purcell issue. Um, Louisiana, of course, would have run into that same issue. But at this point, that 2022 is off the table. And so what we are hoping for is to move through this process and for the same, you know, for the same reasons that the Alabama court, you know, um, you know, made the decision that they made and has been stayed by the Supreme Court, Louisiana even meets the, the same criteria that, um, if not more, because we have an even larger black population. Louisiana has the second largest black population in the country. And so the idea that, um, you know, we've got, you know, 42% of this state is African-American, Latino, uh, API, and um, Native American, and you know we have less than twenty percent representation. We look at this um, when you look at the state, um, the state maps, and then that that theme kind of carries through in all of the other maps as well. And so you know there's definitely an issue of you know fairness, um, definitely some issues around discrimination, and so um, and so for us, you know the the thing that I think is important is you know to a couple of things. I think you know, in reflection, when they knew they had the vote on the House side, you know, they the the legislators cheered and and the and you know and, and I think there was also this conversation about you know we're post racial we just need to do away with these things. They weren't cheering because they won. They were cheering because once again they could you know they could remove the voice. Um, and the voting, you know, opportunities for people of color in this state. And I think that the idea that it was anything other than that is, is, is false. And I think that folks need to be, um, you know, they need to be diligent. They need to let their legislators know um, how they felt about their vote on this veto override. And then I think also, too, we have statewide elections coming up in 2023. 
Um, and I think that's gonna be a moment where we're gonna be reflecting back to voters, everything that went on in this redistricting session and you know, and that we want voters to make sure that folks are held accountable for um, their inability to give them voice um, in this process. Amen. Uh, I, I think you, you said it extremely well. Uh, I, I think, you know, I share your disappointment in uh, the legislature's action, but I also take uh, hope and solace in the fact that this is moving forward and we are in the courts and you never know what's going to happen with the courts. Uh, last question, uh, you know, the redistricting process is probably the most political thing that our legislators do every decade. And there's a lot of folks who want to see this process taken out of their hands and put to a independent commission that could hopefully draw better lines, less political lines. Is there any hope of that happening going forward or is that just wishful thinking? I, I am hopeful. I mean, I think this, you know, it is clear and it was said many, many times throughout this process that this legislative body, um, the majority of this legislative body wanted to um, do, you know, they kept calling it, um, you know, they wanted to protect incumbency, right? And they kept saying that we need a continuity of leadership and and the constitution doesn't protect continuity of leadership. <laughs> the constitution does not care about, um, you know, about your incumbency. And that's what the problem is, is that that's why when you look at the maps that were, that were passed, um, you know, or that are going into law rather, all, every single one of them pretty much is a least change map for the state of Louisiana. And, um, and the only hope that we have of changing that is to be able to move, uh, you know, try to move, um, you know, towards an independent commission. The problem is, is that the state constitution gives the legislature this right. And so how can you move a bill <laughs> to amend the constitution with the legislative body that absolutely wants to continue to have that power? And so, you know, and so I think that, um, you know, there are lots of questions about how, what's, what's the pathway to an independent commission. But um, certainly, um, you know, I think that there was, you know, there is unbelievable amounts of evidence that this was problematic. Um, this was about incumbency. This was not about the people and about people having representation and voice. And so, you know, there's just much work that has to be done, right? That there is, um, you know, that we're going to have to continue to fight and we're going to have to take the next, you know, the next two years and, and not forget this fight and fight all the way through to the end. And I think um, I agree with you, Jan. I have hope um, that justice will prevail. And, um, and again, to, even the governor said it um, on Wednesday, which is that, you know, it's unfortunate that in 2022 that I'm fighting, a, you know, a, a fight that was fought in 1965 and that in, in fact, Louisiana still does need preclearance and we do need um, maps that get vetted by the de uh, Department of Justice because we, this outcome um, in 2022 is unbelievably um, disheartening and racist and um, and disenfranchises the, the voices of people of color in this state, which by the way, by the next census will be majority minority. And so it'll be interesting to, um, to think about having a majority minority state that is so gerrymandered that even in the majority, they still have no voice and no power and that's unconscionable and um, it can't stand. So I'm hopeful and I'm here to fight. Well, we know what they say about the arc of the moral universe and where it bends, but it is certainly bending with the help of Ashley Shelton and the Power Coalition. Um, they truly have changed uh, how we talk about race and how we talk about justice in Louisiana. 
Ashley, thank you so much for giving us some of your uh, time on this lovely Friday. Uh, you'll be hearing this on Monday at the start of week four of the legislative session. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Did You Know? Have a great week, and we'll be back in a week from now.